0: Happy Wednesday. Pete Callender here. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for letting me be a part of your day. I appreciate it. 704 570 1110 and 1 800 WBT 1110. Email is Pete at the show.com. By the way, if you go there, thepetecallenderShow.com, you can subscribe to the podcast. I just sent somebody over there moments ago and she downloaded it super easy. Big fat subscribe button right there. Boom, you hit it. And uh, and then you pick your platform and it doesn't matter what platform to me. So we had elections last night in six states or so. Well, let's see, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, Arizona and Washington. Sorry, five states. No, don't don't bust me on. Well, it's actually a commonwealth. I don't. Okay, so five states had uh, elections and CNN is going to offer us their big takeaways. So. This is from CNN. Admittedly, uh, I'm I'm just using it because it put all of the races in one article. <laughs> That's literally the only reason I pulled this, because you've got to sift through the thumb on the. Sc- it's not even it's not even thumb on the scale. It's it's just the smack you right across the face bias uh, that they've got in their uh, in their piece. So uh, when you hear it pop up, I'm not trying to you know subliminally get anything past you. I'm just I. It was all in one place. They had all these results broken down. So, uh, because I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the individual races, uh, because it's not North Carolina. I mean, it was in like, Michigan. I mean, do you really care a lot about what happened up in Michigan? But I'll tell you, just, you know, the headlines here. So you got to, uh, although Arizona, are they done counting in Arizona? What is the problem with Arizona? Um, all righty. So, Kansas, let's start in Kansas. Polls. Have long showed that voters overwhelmingly support protecting abortion rights, but the win—this is again CNN. But the and I've gone over this before. This protecting abortion rights, sort of catch-all umbrella term, they use that to—they use it to mask and they use it uh, to—they will conflate abortions at all stages of pregnancy. And they do that in service to what is the true agenda, right? And they will tell you it, in moments of honesty, uh, or they think you're not uh, listening. <laughs> they will tell you it, they want abortion on demand through birth, all the way up to the point of birth. That's what the pro-abortion you know movement, that's, the, uh, that's their their goal. And so when they conflate public opinion about this topic to just say, people support abortion rights. That is true in one regard. It's true for early term abortions. When you get past the first trimester, people generally do not support that anymore. Yet that's what our laws allow. But a lot of people don't know the laws because Roe v. Wade allowed them to not know the law. All they knew was like, you know, I'm pro-choice and everybody said, yay. And then they would check the box and then you don't have to think about it. And that's the way our society is operated Literally my entire life. And that's why people right now don't seem capable of defending their position uh, on the pro-abortion side when you get into the specifics of the debate. So that's why they just say abortion rights. And that's what CNN is doing here. Like, oh, you know, polls show voters overwhelmingly support protecting abortion rights right? to a limited degree, CNN, to a limited degree. They continue. But the win for the no vote in Kansas is proof of that and signals that the Supreme Court decision has further angered voters and possibly shifted the politics of the issue ahead of the November elections. We certainly hope so. <laughs> all right. They didn't write that. I threw that last part in. CNN certainly hope so. CNN is is like this is there. We told you guys you're going to make us mad and we're going to go to the polls and we're going to totally vote for Democrats. All right. This is wish casting. That's what CNN is engaging in here. Wish casting. Uh, This is a story by, oh, it took three people to write this. Eric Bradner, Dan Merica, and Gregory Krieg. Wait, three guys? Um, I don't think you guys are allowed to be talking about abortion as dudes. Well, I don't know if they're dudes, actually. Just because they have have male names doesn't mean, right, that, like, I, I maybe, yeah, maybe, like, this is a dead name situation, or I don't know. The no vote leaves the state constitution unchanged while lawmakers in the state can still try to pass restrictive abortion laws. Courts in Kansas have recognized a right to abortion under the state constitution. All right. I'm going to come back to this because there's a lot being made uh, about what the Kansas vote means. And, you know, nobody knows what this means. People are people are taking guesses. Right. And that's fine. We can speculate on it, but nobody really knows what this means yet. And Kansas, I would submit, is not a good test case to figure out what it actually means because their ballot question was ridiculous. (laughs) So, I mean, as far as ballot questions go, it was pretty terrible, confusing, right? So, all right, I will get back to that. Oh, and by the way, it was all prompted by a state court. A state court that divined a constitutional right to abortion, much like the Roe court did. Okay, so let's now uh, jump over to uh, Representative Peter. I never know how to pronounce his name. I meant to go look it up. How do you pronounce M E I J E R? Is it Major? 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 Whatever. Anyway, he is the second of the ten Republicans who voted to impeach former President Donald Trump to be ousted in a GOP primary. Okay, So he he voted to impeach, and now he got primaried, losing to Trump-endorsed conservative challenger John Gibbs. Democrats played a role in boosting Gibbs, a calculated decision that has become a flashpoint, angering some Democrats and anti-Trump Republicans. So again, this is framed as uh, the, uh, when the scandal involves the Democrats... Right? The story is the reaction to the scandal. When the scandal involves Republicans, the story is the scandal. That's the difference. OK? That's journalisming. like 101 one. I think I think it's rule number three on my list. Yeah, I compiled a list of modern-day journalisming, and this is one of the rules that if a Republican is engaged in a scandal, that's the story. The story is the scandal. The scandal is the story, right? If it's a democratic scandal, Then the story is the reaction to the scandal. And so this is a perfect example of it. Democrats played a role in boosting Gibbs, a calculated decision that became a flashpoint angering some Democrats and anti-Trump Republicans. Why is it a scandal? Why why did it anger them? Well, they don't say. CNN didn't find that information to be particularly useful to you, dear reader. So you'll just have to wonder why Democrats funded the pro-Trump candidate. Why ever would they do that? I mean, you're putting the guy one step closer to holding office, and I'm under the impression that Democrats have been pretty, I don't know, consistent in making the argument that everybody who votes for Trump and supports Trump or uh, you know, uh, amplifies his message that the election was stolen, that everybody that does that is a threat to the democracy. So why would you funnel a bunch of money into his campaign to, to boost him? When you're so worried about the future of the democracy. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, eyeing the seat as a possible pickup opportunity, spent more than three hundred thousand dollars on TV ads seeking to bolster Gibbs with pro-Trump GOP primaries by portraying him as a Trump aligned conservative. Right, so they they helped him in the they they paid for ads, boosting him in the um, in the primary. And they think it's going to make their candidate have an easier chance to win. They also thought putting Trump on the top of the ticket would make Hillary a shoe in. And how did that work out? How did that work out? (laughs) Be careful what you wish for. So, uh, this is uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, His uh, third district, this is a third district seat, is now going to become one of the most competitive House contests in November's midterm elections. All right, I'll go over Arizona uh, as well as Missouri uh, and Michigan governor's race and another defeat in Michigan. So we got a couple more election results to go over. Uh Looking at the election results from around America yesterday, well, I guess today, if you're counting Arizona, <laughs> what is the deal, man? I, I like, I understand. You know, we have this long run-up. We got days and days and days to vote, and then the election day. But by election day, come on, guys, it's supposed to. We're not supposed to wait days and days after election day to get results the whole point yeah the long because the longer it goes the less credible it appears i'm sorry if it's not true but that's the perception people think that the longer it takes the more opportunity there is for skullduggery so we've got this primary for um governor in arizona Karen Taylor Robson, a former member of the Arizona Board of Regents, who is backed up by uh, former Vice President Mike Pence, as well as the outgoing governor, Doug Ducey. And it's too close to call, apparently, still, uh, even though Robson's opponent, former TV journalist Carrie Lake, a Trump-endorsed election denier, as CNN describes her, it's too close to call in the early returns Wednesday morning, but Kerry uh, Lake apparently declared victory already. So I'm not sure <laughs> what's happening there. Um, it, he has now President Trump endorsed a whole bunch of candidates in Arizona. And if they win, they would be positioned to take over the election machinery of one of the nation's most important presidential battleground states. You got Blake Masters. Uh, he uh, he led the state's GOP primary to take on Democratic Senator Mark Kelly. State Representative Mark Fincham. He is leading in the primary for secretary of state uh, in the attorney general's race. Trump's preferred can, uh, candidate, Abraham Hamada. And he is leading as well. Or Hamade, Hamade, Hama Hamadeh. Anyway, um, there was one person who defied Trump and his election lies, ousted on Tuesday, according to a CNN projection, Rusty Bowers, the Arizona House Speaker. So basically powerful enough to withstand <laughs> withstand the primary. Um, Republicans in Missouri breathed a sigh of relief after State Attorney General Eric Schmidt won the wide-open Senate primary there. He beat disgraced former Governor Eric Greitens, who was attempting a bit of a political comeback After having resigned in 2018 amid a sex scandal and then the accusation of campaign misconduct and then the accusations of abuse against his wife, which he denied. Um, And Trump basically stayed out of that race uh, except uh, sending out like, uh, well, he didn't send a tweet, but he sent sent out a statement that was uh, that was a joke uh, saying he supported Eric (laughs) in the race. And that didn't say a last name, so it could have been either of the two guys. Okay, Uh, next up, we go back to Michigan. Tudor Dixon, the conservative commentator endorsed by Trump in the final days of the race and backed by large factions of the Michigan Republican establishment, won the state's GOP primary to take on Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer. I don't know why I like to say her name like that, but it just it sounds it's just a. It's just the way the name sounds to me. Gretchen Whitmer. She sounds like a, uh, it sounds like the name. Um, should, I'm not, I'm, I'm not making fun of her name. She didn't have anything to do with the name. Right. Somebody else gave her the names, but it sounds like a Saturday night live character. It, it just does. Anyway, um, Tudor Dixon. She, uh, she won the primary there in Michigan and uh, progressives suffer another defeat in Michigan as well. Haley Stevens projected Democratic primary victory in Michigan's newly drawn 11th Congressional District over fellow Representative Andy Levin marks another blow against progressives in what has been a mostly disappointing primary season for them. All righty, Back to Kansas, like Dorothy. One thing to keep in mind here, as you hear a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the leftists that are celebrating, uh, thinking that, you know, Kansans, they're, they're the, the standard bearer for abortion rights and all this. You got to keep in mind that Kansas already has laws on the books about abortion. And they actually, according to Gabriel Maller, who's an attorney, uh, they are restricted after 20 weeks, which is less than in North Carolina. North Carolina is trying to get our attorney general to to adhere to the law that was passed that sets hours at 20 weeks. I'll get to that too. But abortion in Kansas already sharply restricted after 20 weeks and the common second trimester procedure, dilation and evacuation, D&E, which is barbaric, um, that's been banned in Kansas since 2015. (laughs) So, right, so he... Uh, Gabriel Maller says Democrats are acting like the voters approved abortion on demand up until birth. Yeah, guys, I understand you're celebrating the victory and you 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 need all of the good news you can get. I understand. I understand. But let's not pretend that like this like Kansas somehow has just implemented uh, like Planned Parenthood uh, their their agenda. They have not, okay? What happened was people went to the polls. In order to settle a very poorly worded question that appeared on the ballot, I would read to you. That, oh, maybe I will, because they have an explanatory statement. They tell you what a vote for it would do, a vote against it would do. The problem is, is that nobody knows what happens once you turn down this. Uh, if you were to vote no, if you vote against it, or I should say, if you vote for it. See, because that's the confusing nature of the language. If you're voting for it, then that would get rid of the abortion ruling of the, that the Supreme Court in the state passed. This is how absurd this, this ballot initiative was. Just a recipe for disaster. Kansas voters rejected a ballot amendment removing the right to an abortion from their state constitution. This is the Washington Examiner Report by Kate Scanlon. The amendment would have overturned a 2019 decision by the Kansas State Supreme Court that found Kansas's constitution. What do you know? It does include a right to bodily autonomy, which the state Supreme Court justices said includes abortion. There you go. So they decided for everybody that abortion is a constitutional right in the Kansas state constitution. The amendment that they ran yesterday, they called it the value them both amendment, which is just a terrible name for an amendment. Value them both. It would have amended the state constitution to state, quote, Because Kansans value both women and children, the Constitution of the state of Kansas does not require government funding of abortion and does not create or secure a right to abortion. And people thought, oh, my gosh, you're taking away the right to an abortion. The proposed amendment then goes on to grant the state authority to pass laws regulating abortion, including those that, quote, account for circumstances of pregnancy resulting from rape or incest or circumstances of necessity to save the life of the mother. But nobody knows what that law would look like because it hasn't been written yet. Basically, they said, all right, the court found this uh, this right in the Constitution, and we disagree, so we're going to run this amendment, and it's going to say, no, it's not in there, and uh, we'll totally come back, and we're going to write something, uh, and you're going to be happy with it, all right? And the amendment itself would not have banned abortion. It may have paved the way for the legislature to do so by removing the biggest obstacle in its way, which was that state Supreme Court ruling. The state currently permits abortions up to, uh, this is 22 weeks, more than halfway through a pregnancy. And then there are restrictions that kick in after that. Early polls indicated that most voters were supportive of the amendment. So they go in thinking, OK, we're going we, to win but Democrats appeared more motivated to vote in a typically low turnout primary contest. Ramesh Panuru over at national review. He says the lopsided result in the referendum is an illustration of first mover advantage. I admit I've never heard of this once this, but then again, I mean, I have moved so many times in radio that I can't even recall my first mover advantage. Um, Once the state's high court effectively amended the uh, Constitution, dislodging its its mini Roe (laughs) ruling, uh, the referendum became almost impossible. Okay, if we held national referenda, one on abolishing Roe in favor of some policy regime to be determined later, I mean, it's going to lose in every state. It would most likely lose in every state. Because you don't know what the alternative is. You're saying, okay, here's the status quo. And if you get rid of the status quo, it'll be something. We're not sure what. You might like it. You might not. And most people will be like, no, that's okay. I'll take the devil I know. He says, I think, um, or so first he says, uh, it's bad news what happened for pro-lifers. But supporters of the abortion license are giddily overreading it. The instant line is that the result shows that a backlash to Dobbs will be powerful this November. And it's true that the referendum appears to have driven turnout in the state. He says, I think pro-lifers ought to come back in a few years with another ballot initiative, this one establishing a gestational limit on abortion. He suggests 15 weeks. There's no reason pro-lifers should take this deeply disappointing vote as the last word anywhere. Let me jump over here to uh, Charlie Kamozi. Kamozi? Kamazi, Kamasai. Anyway, he is a professor at Creighton University School of Medicine, moral theology fellow, St. Joseph's Seminary. And he says he is seeing surprise and even anger from fellow pro-lifers about the results from Kansas. Uh, on the one hand, this reaction makes good sense. Kansans are very pro-life, and in order for their views to be reflected in, a, in law, The referendum had to pass, but it failed 59 to 41. And so now it'll become a bastion of abortion extremism, right? Including welcoming abortion tourism from other states. Virtually no resident wants that. Um, It seems less strange, however, if one keeps in mind that our most motivated opponents across the country have been preparing and fundraising for last night since ABC was, I think you mean ACB, Uh, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed and some since Kavanaugh was confirmed money played a huge role in this campaign the uh, the abortion side on that vote last night they they spent raised and spent more than a million dollars more than the uh, pro-life side once Dobbs fell Well, Roe fell with Dobbs. Our most motivated and well-paid opponents sprung into action, particularly when it came to planting deeply sympathetic, if misleading and even false, stories about women whose lives would be at risk by laws protecting prenatal justice. It was pretty impressive. Um, And perhaps never really believing that Roe and Casey would fall, pro-lifers were caught flat-footed. Let me jump over to this. This is Michael New at The Federalist. He says... Though the outcome is certainly disappointing, pro-lifers need not despair. This is for three reasons. First, a substantial body of academic research shows that campaign spending plays an outsized role in direct democracy campaigns. And that's what this was, a referendum. Since abortion is a multi-billion dollar industry subsidized with millions of state and federal taxpayer dollars, supporters of legal abortion can almost always outspend pro-lifers. And that's what happened In this case, second, do not despair. History shows pro-life ballot propositions can win, but two things have to be true in order for that to occur. The first condition is that the campaign has to take place in a conservative state. So, well, yes, that that is helpful. The second is that the pro-life policy change has to be popular, incremental, and difficult to caricature. And... While yesterday's ballot initiative was, um, you know, it, it it was a conservative state, the second condition was not met. The long-term implications of the amendment were unclear, and that made it easy for opponents to distort the measure. Um, this also then gets into uh, this question of pregnancy centers. Have you noticed all of the... It's, it's been really weird. Like, all of a sudden, there's this focus on pregnancy centers, which... Well, well, why? Why, 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 do you, why do you care? Like, these centers are counseling women how to keep their kids, and they're offering them support and all this. So why all of this outrage all of a sudden against the pregnancy centers? There was a really good piece, also with the Federalist, by Auguste Mayrot. Why Democrats have waged war on pregnancy centers. Also... We have Republican congressmen demanding that North Carolina Attorney General uh, Josh Stein step up and protect crisis pregnancy centers in our state. We'll get to that. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So, two congressmen... Ted Budd and Senator Tom Tillis, both Republicans, calling on Attorney General Josh Stein here in North Carolina, Democrat Attorney General, to do something about the attacks on the crisis pregnancy centers around the state. You may recall there's a group called Jane's Revenge. They've been vandalizing and attacking uh, various centers. uh, One up in Asheville two months ago where they spray-painted uh, if abortions aren't safe, neither are you. This was at the Mountain Area Pregnancy Services Clinic, and I don't understand. I, I, I acknowledge, like, I don't understand why you would target the pregnancy centers. It never. I mean, I understand the connection with obviously childbirth and abortions. I get that, and I. I but I don't understand why they have to be crippled through vandalism and extortion and threats and intimidation. Why do you have to do that in order to fight for abortion access, right? It, it, it didn't really make any sense to me. So uh, in a letter to Attorney General uh, Josh Stein, Bud and Tillis said that the Crisis Pregnancy Center, uh, this the one in Nashville, but others, exist to give women support and resources during pregnancy, including critical counseling services, parenting classes, even supplies that are vital like diapers and formula. This noble work makes the attacks and threats of violence against these organizations all the more disturbing and unacceptable. Groups like Planned Parenthood call crisis pregnancy centers shady and say that the clinics lie about abortion, birth control, and sexual health. This is from Danielle Battaglia's story at the Charlotte Observer. Actually, she's, I think, News and Observer, but it's McClatchy newspapers, right? Groups like Planned Parenthood call crisis pregnancy centers shady and say that clinics lie about abortion, birth control, and sexual health. She says Planned Parenthood, which offers reproductive health care and pregnancy planning along with abortion services. That's a good cover story, isn't it? They do mammograms. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> so I'm curious if you want to have the baby, do you go to Planned Parenthood too? If you're looking to get pregnant, is that something that planned parenthood provides services for you? Is that, did they help you in that endeavor? Are they doing some sort of like surrogacy work or, and you know, uh, like if you're having trouble conceiving, they do some, I don't know, like insemination work. Like, like what else are they helping you with when they're helping you to plan your parenthood? If you want the baby, and you go to Planned Parenthood, I'm suspecting you might be a bit disappointed by the results you received there, okay? Uh, Planned Parenthood basically does one thing. Right, we all know this. So Stein's office confirmed he got the letter from Tom Tillis and Ted Budd. Ted Budd. The attorney general is committed to protecting North Carolinians and works hard each day to do just that, said Laura Brewer, Stein's deputy chief of staff. As these federal leaders know, local law enforcement and DAs would have authority over these issues. Anyone with specific public safety concerns should report them to local law enforcement. Now, Tillis and Bud say that actually there's a thing called the Freedom of Clinic Entrances Act of 1994. And that law empowers state attorneys general, such as yourself, with the authority to seek civil relief for conduct that violates the act. Considering the seriousness of these crimes, law enforcement cannot play favorites when it comes to pursuing justice. They say Stein should use every civil and criminal resource available to protect crisis pregnancy centers. Yeah, uh, Josh, just pretend it's uh, pretend it's a Planned Parenthood clinic, right? Just pretend that the lawmakers requested an update by August fifteenth. So why why this war against the pregnancy centers? Why this? This, this comment from Planned Parenthood, that calling them shady and that they're lying and misleading people, tricking women, and all of this. Well, one reason, pregnancy centers are bad for the abortion business. See, like it, it really is that obvious. People are constantly bombarded by a pro-abortion uh, argument, pro-abortion rhetoric that speaks of liberation, female empowerment, right. They tend to forget that Planned Parenthood and every other abortion provider is a business seeking to make money. Pregnancy centers cut into their profits by taking away clients and siphoning off public funding. In response, Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry lobbies Congress and donates to political campaigns in order to hamstring and shut down their competitors. So once again, it's crony capitalism. Right, I mean, it's it's abortion, but it's crony capitalism. That's what they're doing. They're using the force of government to kneecap opponents. Another reason, this is according to August Mayrat at thefederalist.com dot or Mayrat. Um, another reason is that pregnancy centers are the most powerful refutation of abortion. They enable women to endure the difficulties associated with carrying a child and bringing it to term. They provide material, emotional, spiritual support necessary to have a baby. Besides giving that child a chance for a healthy and happy life, they do the same for the mothers who suffer from abuse, poverty, many other challenges. Understanding this is essential. Although most debates over abortion often center on the question of personhood, the real reason most women seek an abortion is having a baby is difficult. Even if a mother makes the heart-wrenching decision to put the kid up for adoption she still has to go through nine months of pregnancy and delivery her body mind and soul will be tested and at times it'll feel overwhelming and that's oftentimes why they choose the abortion but if they can get support they may make a different decision or as Planned Parenthood would call it getting tricked